Good morning, everybody. Good morning, church. We're going to stand together. There's nothing that our God can't do. Sing this with me. It's just one word. You calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart can never believe. Singing, there's nothing that God can't do. There's not a mountain that he can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do. Just one word, heal you what's broken inside me. Just one word, then you revive every dream. One touch, I feel the power of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes are open to see. My heart can never believe. There's nothing that my God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. Sunday of 2021, forgetting 2020, we believe in greater things. Sing this with me. And I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all the There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all of there's no power like His power. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can't move. Oh, praise the name who makes a way. There's nothing. Can't 
can be seated for a moment. Good morning, GVC. My, my name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. It's 2021. We're here. Is it on? It's on. Oh. It's on. You want to use this? Here we go. 2021. It's, it's 2021. We're here. They're now online. You can hear me. Sorry for that. I got two things before we continue in worship together. First off, while many of our activities and our groups are paused throughout the month of January, Amber Cameron, our women's ministry director, myself, put our heads together. We're going to be rolling out a Wednesday evening Bible study on Zoom through the month of January. So we're going to be looking at the four smallest books of the Bible, guest star Bob Royce coming out of retirement. For those of you who remember Bob Royce, and you can sign up online if you're interested. Also, Tuesday morning, we're going to have prayer from 7 to 7.30 a.m. throughout the month of January on Zoom. So an opportunity to stay connected, to plug in, and if you're interested, you can sign up for reminders on the front of our website. Second, today is Vision Sunday. I mean, it's a different kind of Sunday. And if you're new, this is an excellent day. You're going to get to know us a little bit better. You're going to get to know some of our elders and what we're about. But if you're a part of the family, today is all about the direction we believe God is calling us in 2021. So it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a packed day. And we're excited that you're here joining us for it. And with that, let's continue worshiping together. Call me friend, your grace. 
Yeah. 
Good morning. Hi. My name is Brian Buckley. I'm one of the elders here at uh, GBC. And uh, I'd like to ask you to uh, bow your heads. Listen to these words from Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth amongst the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever. And the moon and stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. Father, for the last year, it may seem that something is not enduring in our relationship with you. If that's the case, that's on us. So we come forward this year, maybe we be reminded constantly of your faithful love. There are many prayers we could offer for the body, but today, one thing, that is that the truth of the gospel would replace the deception of the world in the hearts of people and that they might be brought to a relationship with your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, at home, here, do a wave, send a text, uh, thumbs up, and say hello. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Brandon Barnes. I am also one of the elders here. You're going to hear that a lot this morning. Um, and I'm also one of the co-chairs. I'm thinking back over the, well, first of all, uh, just a few things that, that we want to cover. I want to talk for a minute and, and really just sort of affirm to the body uh, that this is an eldership that uh, deeply loves each other. I'm going to talk about that for a minute. I also want to talk a little bit about some insights, share with you some insights from the elders this morning, uh, and then also just a couple of updates. I think if we think back over the past six to eight months, um, I'm certain of one thing, and that's that our dinner table conversations have likely not only increased in frequency, but probably in depth. Uh, Words like pandemic, quarantine, asymptomatic, were words that I think none of us had even given much thought to a year or two years ago. I think things like social justice or systemic and structural racism or, or racial reconciliation were also words a year or two years ago 
we weren't really talking about at our dinner table. And so words and ideas and concepts that have challenged us in our homes, have been challenged us at our dinner tables, are certainly aggregated and have been talked about in depth with this elder team. The GBC elder team came into this year uh, out of 2018, 2019, and that building project that we had done and all the planning that went into that, and, and we experienced a tremendous amount of personal growth through that. Uh, things like faithfulness and trust were things that we all grew in, but specifically, I can tell you, the elders um, came to all new levels of, of understanding that through that time, and that was really a preparation in many ways for what we encountered this year. Uh, it's not been an easy year for any of us, I can tell you that. I can tell you that um, there were plenty of heated discussions in our elder meetings. There were plenty of disagreements. But I'm so happy to be able to stand in front of you with a clear conscience and tell you in bold reassurance that the elders deeply, deeply love each other. And they deeply love this church. And we've grown a tremendous amount over the past year. One thing that's helped us, and I hope it's something that uh, you've all given thought to as well, but one thing that has helped us sustain us in this year is Paul's message in 1 Corinthians where he says to the church at Corinth, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance, first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. Paul says the gospel has to be the main thing in all things. Why? Because Christ's death on the cross provides us the full measure of grace and forgiveness we need so that we in turn as elders and as people of the body of Christ will be more forgiving and more graceful to other people, right? Secondly, Paul reminds us the truth of Christ's resurrection because the truth of the resurrection demonstrates hope and power that God can take and make any situation good, right? That Christ on the cross was a, a, a demonstration of evil faced with good and good overcoming evil. And so therefore in the resurrection, we in turn can have that hope that he can work all things together for his good purposes. These ten men love this body and love each other and are anchored and have spent this last year really looking at all of these different things we've been talking about at the dinner table through the lens of the gospel. How does Paul's reminder to us um, re-basically take back the narrative from the world and translate that through the gospel? A couple of insights I just want to share from an elder update standpoint. We were able to spend two days together. What was supposed to be an off-site ended up being an on-site because we really couldn't go many places. Uh, but we spent two days together with our wives uh, and as collectively as a group. And we wanted to do that to really look at how we could more effectively lead. But one of the things we used was a survey that was done across 800 different uh, participants uh, for churches between the sizes of 800 and 1,500 people. And so these, these 800 participants of this evangelical Bible-based survey um, responded as to what 
what makes an effective elder board. And there are a number of things that came out of that that we were able to sort of distill and use and will help us and guide us going forward. But one of the things that I found really interesting out of this was that just 1% of the churches surveyed had been in existence for 60 years or longer. Just 1%. The average of these churches were less than 20 years old. We just celebrated 100 years together as a body to the glory of God. That's an amazing thing. And so we step back and we look at what are those things that have sort of contributed to uh, this, this hundred years of, of successfully being able to uh, steward this church and, and move this church forward in this community. And we believe the one thing that God has really blessed this church with is plurality and leadership, which brings me to sort of the final point I want to update you all with this morning. Our elders have a bylaw that says every couple of years we want to always maintain, to maintain that plurality of thought and leadership, we want to rotate out our co-chair. So I've been happy to serve for the past three years as co-chair to this, uh, to this team. Uh, I am going to be passing that over to Bob Rasmussen, who has been serving uh, with the elders for the past four years, three, four years. Um, and so we are really excited for Bob to step in and co-chair with Gary Campbell. I can tell you that Gary has excellent vision and it will be well matched with Bob's eye for execution and detail and communication. And so I'm really excited to announce this morning, and I'll ask Bob to come up to the stage now, your new elder co-chair. Thank you, Bob. I didn't think that needed a round of applause, but thank you. Um, just a point... Uh, quick announcement for us before I get into what I'm going to discuss today. So uh, Gary brought to you an announcement early December in uh, terms of mask wearing and what we're going to be doing as a church body going forward. As you remember, before uh, December we were wearing masks on the way in and we were able to take them off. But due to Thanksgiving and Christmas and the uptick in COVID in the area, we decided as an elder team um, to continue or to start 100% mask wearing while we're in while we're in house. So here we are, January 1st. We told you about four weeks. We would let you know. Here we are, January, and um, we've decided again to continue that for another four weeks or so. Um, that is due to again where we're at with positivity rates, beds in hospitals in the local area that are currently having uh, COVID patients in them, and uh, so just to let you know. This isn't hard, easy for us. Um, we're going to be meeting bi-weekly, as we always do, and just discussing this because the world around us is constantly changing in the terms of COVID. So we're going to be constantly talking about this and giving this more thought. But just to let you know, for the next four weeks, we're going to continue this cadence. Um, one thing I, I was think, when I was thinking about talking about this, I wanted to say thank you to all of you, uh, both at home and here in, in the sanctuary. And it, the thank you is for those who are on this side of mask wearing and then on this side of mask wearing, right? And we all know where we kind of land. I want to say thank you because what we do here at Groton Bible Chapel with the masks is selfless, not selfish, selfless, right? So whatever you feel or believe, thank you for coming in and listening, for trusting us as leaders, and for just doing what we are asking to do because ultimately that's serving God, right, is to serve our fellow man. So thank you for that. So, why am I here today? I'm here to announce uh, two different changes to the staff this year. Um, 
One is uh, in the area of tech director. So what we found is that technology is kind of on the forefront at Groton Bible Chapel. And I just want to give a hand to the tech team for all they do. But as you can see, um, as you know, that we are a big tech type church, and that's a good thing. But with that said, we didn't want to put all that on Johnny's shoulders and the other staff members who do that. So what we're going to be doing is adding a full-time position as technical director uh, at Groton Bible Chapel. So this person will oversee all of the audio, visual, and lighting um, for Groton Bible Chapel, specifically on Sunday mornings. Um, they're going to be in charge of the management of the volunteer tech teams. They'll be responsible for the website, we're responsible for the live streaming for both video and photo content as well. Um, so where are we today? So currently the job description is on the website. If you're interested, please take a look. Um, there'll be more details in there. We're accepting resumes now, and Lord willing, we're going to be looking at the second quarter to hire somebody on. The second area I'd like to discuss is the area of missions pastor. Um, as you know, we're continuing to seek a missions pastor to replace Andy Bonner, who will be transitioning out of his role in this year, 2021. In full disclosure, we kind of wanted to wrap this up last year, um, kind of not really get there just due to COVID, but we're good. I think God has a plan for this, and God had a reason for all that, so we're here today. I will say right now that we are not taking resumes. We're in the throes of final interviews for this position, and we will announce something before spring. So with that last announcement, I do want to say that um, we want to say thank you as an elder team and as a church to Andy and Cheryl Ann Bonner for what they've done. Just a little bit on, yeah, let's do that first. So a little bit on Andy. Andy's been on staff for well over a decade. He served the church highly, in highly critical part-time roles. He's had personal relationships within the GBC leadership, and this goes back decades and decades. And for those of you who know Andy, he's kind of got friends everywhere in this local community. Um, he's been steady, dependable, a godly staffer, and a real good example of GBC family. So Andy and Cheryl Ann, thank you. So with that said, I want to welcome Jeff Seidel and Tim Lennis to discuss our mortgage payoff strategy. Good morning, church. Uh, my, good morning. My name is Jeff Seidel, and this is Tim Landis, and we're here to talk about kind of the vision for projects and uh, paying off our mortgage. Um, I think we can all agree that 2020 was not what we assumed the vision was last year. So uh, one thing that we have to, we, we set goals, we set visions. If something comes in a way, we've got to follow the Spirit wherever the Holy Spirit leads us. And last year, um, we definitely had to do that because of, of the change. And maybe, Tim, you can kind of go through some of those changes that happened last year and what, what happened. Well, putting it in context, and I don't have to remind you, you know, COVID happened this past year. And we sort of put paying down the mortgage on hold. I mean, would, would, our doors were closed. Would, would we even be able to pay our monthly bills? We saw across the country that charitable giving was way down. Um, we actually qualified for the payroll protection plan. But we talked about that as, as an eldership and decided we wouldn't do that. Instead, we would wait for God to provide. And God did. He stirred the hearts of you here in our congregation. And our giving didn't go down. It went up. And we were able to renovate the old sanctuary as, as a youth room. 
we were able to actually um, help out churches in the area for, so that they could keep their doors open. We were able to give to families in need. Um, and all of you kept giving. And as of now, our giving is up almost 20% over last year. Yeah. You know, here I was worried about how we were going to pay the bills this year. I mean, oh, me of little faith. At our annual budget meeting this year, uh, we, uh, the, the corporation decided to take 120000 out of the general fund and transfer that towards the mortgage pay down. Um, so what is our plan for next year, Jeff? So um, maybe you can put on the first slide. Uh, the general plan, if you look at, I guess we've got to kind of look at the long-term vision, really, um, to see what our plan is for now. And that's basically, if you that's the church. You can probably see the, the main building we're sitting in now, and, and you've got the gym. And, and uh, I think we showed this last year. It's a little bit of an old slide because before Builders for Christ came in. But um, the thought always was that the Renew project was going to be in two phases. The first phase was this building. The second phase was going to be able to um, renovate and actually expand on the, the children's program uh, after the youth program was done. So if you show the next slide, if anybody's seen this before. That was always the plan, and we built this building to um, push that out, and that will have uh, elevators in it and renovate the new space to make it up, up to code, but in order to get there, we've got to pay our debt down on the mortgage first. That's something that we I thought was very important. We don't want to go into further debt. So um, other than a couple of small projects, um, or I shouldn't say smaller, uh, we got to put on a new roof on the, F, on the actual um, youth wing that's uh, now 30 years old and maybe a couple of lights out in the parking lot. The big thing for next year to start paying down um, the debt so we can get to this. Um, and we have about, even after the $120,000, which was awesome that we were able to put down at the end of the year, we've got about $2 million more to pay down. So, uh, Tim, can you give us a little explanation of how they can do that? Well, let me talk numbers for you. I don't, you know, don't let your eyes glass over here. but. Our current monthly mortgage payment is $16,000 a month. That's on a 20-year mortgage. Um, this is already built into our annual budget to make that payment each month. Well, we've decided we're going to keep the Renew Fund open, all right, so people can continue to give to the Renew Fund, and anything that goes into that fund will be swept over and put towards paying down of the mortgage. Um, the corporation has also decided to monitor the general fund. As we see the giving come in on a quarterly basis, the corporation will review the general fund, and if, it, if the, the money is still, is still coming in and is there to pay all the other bills and obligations, then money will be swept out of the general fund each quarter to go towards pay down of the mortgage. Now, we believe that it's possible to pay this mortgage down in five years, to pay it off. To do that, we'd have to give an additional $25,000 a month towards the mortgage payment in addition to the $16,000 that we're required to do. Um, but we've been there. You know, you all have given so much. This building is a tool, all right? It's, it's a tool toward further growth of God's kingdom. And we are the stewards of that tool. So what a wonderful privilege it is to be able to participate to pay this down, to look forward to the, to the dreams that we have in a way that we can reach this community, that we can give the good news to those around us. 
um, that we can see those come into the kingdom of God. And may God be glorified through all of this. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, you've given us a wonderful privilege. Um, certainly, Lord, your love endures forever. Lord, you've made us the stewards of this building. And we pray, Lord, that we would use your money in a way that glorifies you. Lord, it's our vision that we would pay this mortgage off and that we would be able to go on from that. It's a vision that we feel that you have given us, Lord. But certainly, if this were a year ago and we were looking at our vision going forward, um, we would have never guessed at the things that have happened this year. And so, Lord, we just pray that we would be your faithful servants, that what we have we would give to you, Lord, to use for your honor and glory, and that you would be glorified through this. And now, Lord, we just pray for the remainder of our time here this morning. We pray for Gary as he comes and shares your word, Lord, that you would touch our hearts, that you would open our understandings, Lord, and that you would be glorified. For we pray this in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you uh, for those that have shared. And I know we're throwing a lot of kind of information at you this morning. Uh, and, and hopefully you collectively can kind of see the sense of vision. And, and I want to kind of bring it down to a word uh, to help us this morning. Over the last several years, we've kind of anchored our year to a different word. We've had the word generosity in the past, or service, or community, or this past year, covenant. Our word for 2021, as we head into it, is the word perspective. Perspective. And I, I, I suspect we'll be repeating uh, this idea. And perspective, according to Merriam-Webster, means a mental view or prospect. A mindset, a way of looking at things. Another definition is the capacity to view things in their true relations or relative importance. The capacity to view things in their true relations or their relative importance. And so I see that thing on social media, that post that causes the ire in me to well up and I gain perspective and step back before I respond. Or I get that text from my friend that we've been talking about one of these issues of our year that also kind of engages my emotions and I employ some perspective in picking up the phone and saying, hey, why don't we get together for coffee and go for a walk rather than texting? Perspective. It's something that we desperately need as people in the life that we live. As a church, as Christians, God has called us to have both a kingdom and an eternal perspective. Now you might say, wait a minute, that's the same thing. Having a kingdom perspective and eternal perspective. I, I will grant you that there's a lot of overlap in the two ideas scripturally. But a kingdom perspective, we can pull from Jesus' words in the Lord's Prayer where he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. And so as a church, as people, as Christians living our lives, as, as a church responding to the issues of our time, we want to see the kingdom of God as it's already being lived out in heaven, lived out here on earth. We, we are agents, believe it or not, that God brings his kingdom to bear on this planet through us. Uh, one person has said the greatest apologetic for Christianity is the love of God's people for each other. Kind of a scary prospect. God has put his gospel in our hands. We are to have a kingdom perspective. We're also to have an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective is the reminder that our lives are like this big compared to eternity. You've seen illustrations uh, that sort of point this out or make this more vivid. We're to have an eternal perspective. It's a perspective that is, has an expectancy for the return of Jesus Christ and his reign and his rule and our participation in that. 
John MacArthur has said, A person is no true believer at all if he has no real expectation of Christ's return, no eagerness to meet him, no love for his appearing. You might say, man, that's kind of harsh. But think about those descriptors. Someone who has no expectation of Jesus' return, no desire to meet him, no eagerness for that, to describe someone who isn't a follower of Jesus. As followers of Christ, we are to have both a kingdom and eternal perspective. It brings us to last week. You know, last week we talked about in Psalm 145 that when we seek the glory of God, we have hope in all things. And then we looked at, we alluded to this morning's text in Titus 2. That in finding hope in all things, we, we ultimately find out that the, the hope that we have is the very glory of God. It is the hope of glory. And so I'm going to read this text again and, and just draw a couple points for it, from it this morning. This is from Paul's letter to Titus. He says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts, and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way, In this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. And he goes on. I love that last line that that part of God's redeeming work in Christ is to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. It is the great love of God that motivated his redemption of each one of us, of each one of you, through Christ on the cross, as you've already heard, as you've already heard this morning. In fact, this passage really ties together everything we've been talking about, going all the way back to early fall, when we talked about We Are GBC, being a worshiping, generous community, and so on. And then we looked at the book of Ruth, and covenant, and the coming of Christ, and the redemption of the kinsman redeemer. And then we were in the series Just Right through Advent, where we saw just the exact right circumstances wherewith God brought his redeeming son, Jesus. And Titus kind of brings all of this together in one passage. And so I want to look this morning at a couple of points, and then I'll also lay out for us our preaching schedule for the year that we're excited to share with you. So Paul, uh, ultimately, we could draw uh, multiple points from this, but just looking at three, number one, Paul says, embrace grace. Embrace grace. Receive grace into your life. He says, for the grace of God has appeared through what Christ has done, bringing salvation to all people. And it's only as we receive grace in our lives that our lives are transformed. Now, Paul's talking explicitly to, to Christians here. And he, he says, and the very next thing he says is denying godlessness and worldliness and living in a different kind of way. We do this through the embrace of grace. So number one, embrace grace. Number two, deny sin, but not through sort of, uh, uh, you know, mustering up and trying harder and more strength and white knuckling it. But through embracing grace, the transformative power of God's grace in my life, I gain the power to deny sin and to live differently in front of the watching world. To be that apologetic, if you will, of who Jesus is and what he's done. Embrace grace and deny sin. That's a large part of why we teach from the Bible week by week. Is that we as a people will learn to embrace grace and deny sin and live before the world in a different sort of way. And so I want to share with you kind of where we'll be going this year as we attempt to do that in our preaching schedule. This year we're going to be beginning next week, January 10, we'll be back in the Gospel of John. Returning to the Gospel of John beginning in chapter 12. And that will take us in short series. We'll be looking at the Gospel of John all the way into the beginning of June. 
uh, accepting Easter. But we're really excited to be back in John's Gospel. I encourage you maybe take an hour of your time and, and just read it again to kind of come back up to speed when you, when you have a few, few moments. You know, interestingly enough, John's Gospel doesn't record the parables of Jesus. John spends a lot of time on the discourses of Jesus, but by providence alone, we're going to spend our summer studying the parables of Jesus. Now, it's been several years, probably seven or so years since we've studied Jesus' parables over a summer. We're excited to return to those powerful, powerful parables, and I'll I'll share a little bit about one set of them this morning in a moment. And then ultimately, we're going to come to the fall. I'm really excited to share with you about the fall, but because it's so far away, I won't spend a lot of time on it. But we're going to begin in the fall with a long-term study of the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, really excited about this. Deuteronomy, if you, if you already know, is, is the fifth book of the Pentateuch. So you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy actually repeats a lot of the material previous in the rest of the Pentateuch. But here's what's fascinating about Deuteronomy. While it is Moses' last words, and it's a repeat of the law in many ways, it is written both as a a legal treaty between God and his people, uh, contemporary to the times in which it was written, and a love letter all at once. It's fascinating. And it's going to be a a powerful study that we'll begin together in the fall. uh, That if you can't tell, I'm a little uh, uh, energized by. Back to Paul. Back to Titus 2. Embrace grace. Deny sin. And then Paul sort of anticipates or or infers the idea, assumes, presumes the idea that we are also waiting and looking expectantly for the return of Jesus. I I don't think we talk about this enough, that Christ is coming again. And so if we were to look at at at, uh, Jesus' parables in Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus tells three parables in quick succession. All of them have to do with the expectation of Christ's return and stealing uh, the insight of John MacArthur here is we'll be using his book on parables as our preaching, one of our preaching resources. He says that these three parables, the parable of the faithful and wicked servant, the parable of the ten bridesmaids, and the parable of the talents, teach us to be watching, waiting, and working for Christ's return. In other words, having a kingdom eternal perspective. So we'll be looking at that set of parables as one of our Sundays uh, this summer. But we are to have a kingdom eternal perspective. Brandon alluded to this. It means that we approach the issues of our time differently than the world. In fact, as we talk about applying this as a church and how this affects our vision, I will tell you that as I've talked with other pastors, as we've wrestled through the issues of the last year as elders, that we probably have missed an opportunity to lead the, uh, the culture rather than the culture being led by uh, the church leading the, the culture leading the church. And, and what I'm talking about specifically is the issue of unity and diversity. All that exploded in our culture this year, and the culture, is, as you've, if you've watched the news, and for a large part I've stopped watching, but it, it grasped at straws for how to respond and how to promote ideas of diversity and so on and so forth. And sometimes it has some wonderful ideas, and sometimes it's terrible, and it's all over the place. But the church of Jesus Christ has the model. And we should be out front leading in this. I want to read to you a passage from Revelation. And uh, this describes the worshiping community of God's people. And this is one of four passages in Revelation that describe heaven in this manner. So listen to what John the Apostle says. He says, After this I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that is Christ, They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, 
Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. In this image, there's, there's scholarly discussion about who this crowd is, but this language of every tribe, language, people, and nation is repeated three other times, a total of four times in this apocalyptic picture of eternity. Well, what's the point this morning? The church has the answer to what unity and diversity is. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to show you a picture here of my friend Joe Coleman. Uh, Joe uh, Coleman pastors a church here in Groton since the 1970s, St. John's Christian Church. Some of you know Joe. Uh, I have known of Joe since I was eight years old. I've known him personally since 1991. And uh, Joe has a, a fascinating history with Groton Bible Chapel. It, just to paint a picture for those of you who haven't been around uh, for too, too long, GBC was a 99% white, Scotch-Irish, Plymouth Brethren, which means separatist in our theology, church for many, many years. But our founding pastor, Dave Ward, reached out and mentored a young 23-year-old black pastor who was of the Zionist movement at the time who was planting a church in Groton. His name is Joe Coleman. And Joe recently came and spent some time with our elder team as we're talking about these issues and with tears in his eyes described the love and the time that Dave Ward poured into his life as a 23-year-old pastor here in town. Powerful powerful thing that Dave did. And then as Joe grew in his career, he eventually became peers with Bob McCoy, and they did ministry together. I came to know Joe as a teenager, and I'm proud to say he's gone from being a mentor to a friend, and and one of many in terms of pastors in this community that I could say that of. But here's the interesting thing, and here's the story I want to share with you. Uh, When I was about eight years old, around the the late 70s all the way through to the early, maybe as late as the mid-80s, Uh, Dave Ward invited St. John's Christian Church to come to GBC and to participate in a joint baptism. Now, St. John's at the time didn't have a baptistry, so we did these baptisms together. And I I shared with you, GBC was largely a Caucasian uh, community at that time. St. John's is a very multi-ethnic church today. It was largely a black gospel church at the time. And we would do these baptisms together. And Joe and I have shared these memories, but I have these vivid, vivid memories of worshiping and singing the same hymns together very, very differently. Very different communities of the body of Christ. And I remember saying to Joe, like, you know, as a kid, it was never awkward. It was never uncomfortable. In fact, it was, it was Revelation 7. It was Revelation 11. It was Revelation 14. It was a picture of heaven. And so we've talked in kind of a nostalgic way through the years. Of, hey, we should do something together to kind of commemorate that and so on and so forth. This summer, we recognize we've missed an opportunity. And so we are talking uh, directly about that. I'll share with that about, more about that in a moment. But you might say, well, why is this an area, as we talk on Vision Sunday, a focus for our church at this time when it comes to having a kingdom-minded, eternal perspective? Well, one, because the world is completely lost and doesn't know how to do this. Number two, because it's in Scripture. It is the quintessential picture of heaven It's not just the diversity in terms of the universalism of the gospel, and I don't mean that theologically, but that anyone can be saved, but the diversity, multi-ethnic and so forth. Thirdly, it addresses all three areas of our vision that we put out when we began to approach building this building, namely that we were going to enfold the lost, equip the saints, and encourage the larger body of Christ, Big C Church. So, in 2021, we intend to do four things in this area. Number one, and there are real quick, teaching, honoring, worshiping, and living. The first one is teaching. We're going to continue teaching God's perspective on the beautiful and varied nature of the bride of Christ. 
Number two, we're going to continue honoring the diversity of God's kingdom that does exist here at GBC. And you may have noticed that in our Advent readings over the last couple of years. We seek to honor diversity in four areas. Number one, marital status. We want to honor our single population, not just those that are married and with families. Number two, we want to honor the diversity of age in the GBC community. Those that are old and so far as elderly and whatever the highest category of age is, uh, the seasoned, the wise, we want to honor them as well as our youngest in our middle age. We want to honor the ethnicity and the cultural and heritage differences of our church community. And finally, we want to honor the life stage or situations of our families here at GBC. That might be those that are grandparenting or those with blended families, so on and so forth. We want to have a kingdom, eternal perspective. Next, we want to be a church that is worshiping with the larger body of Christ. And so I've been meeting with a new coalition of pastors that have sort of come out of this summer. And we're talking about what does it look like for the church to worship together before the world. To maybe capture some events that we've been doing and focus them on worship, explicitly the worship of Christ together. So we'll have more coming about that as Joe and myself continue to meet with some other pastors. Finally, we want to be living as a church family. We want to be living with compassion toward those who, do, who look differently than we are, than we do. We want to li- be living with continued generosity, as you have done uh, this year, with those who are less fortunate. And perhaps most importantly, we want to live with self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice, whether it be politics or pandemic or social justice, whatever the issues that will be coming, that it is not about my rights, my needs, my wants, or even my preferences, but that of the other. Why? Because that's what Jesus did when he went to the cross for us. He, he who had all rights laid it all aside to go to the cross and to die for me when I least deserved it. And so that's part of where we're aiming this morning. In fact, that sets us up so well to focus our hearts this morning on the gospel, on what Christ has done on the cross as we take the bread and the cup this morning. So I'm going to invite Dave Miwa and Jeff Seidel up at this time, and they're going to lead us in a time of communion. So it is the first of the month, which means it is a, a time for communion. A, and uh, if you are a believer, we uh, would invite you to uh, take the body and the blood of Christ, uh, red in the, in the cup. If you're not, we'd like you to probably pass it by and, and also talk to one of the elders or some of the staff about it. We'd love to talk to you in general. But let's give thanks for the, for the bread. Father God, we are sinners. And uh, we need a Savior. Thank you so much for being that Savior for us so many years ago that uh, we might just be able to rely and believe that you died and rose again, that in that, and then in this uh, breaking and Lord's Supper and breaking the bread, that we, uh, we can have everlasting life with you. Thank you for this remembrance of the bread. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You take the bread. Let's pray for the cup. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we just come before you now in remembrance of the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, at the Last Supper, Jesus said that this cup 
is the New Testament in his blood. Lord, we just thank you for that new covenant. Lord, Scripture says that with, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And the old covenant had bulls and goats, the blood of bulls and goats that covered the sin temporarily. But Lord, this new covenant we thank you for that was based on the blood of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, the new covenant you wrote on our heart, Lord, compared to the old covenant of law and, and the sacrifice of bulls and goats. Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, that he laid down our life to forgive us for our sins. Lord, so we remember the work of Jesus Christ now, and we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, Tim Kultman will pray for the offering. Good morning. Um, just want to let you know that we, we will pray for the offering, but that there's also many ways to give, obviously, through the pandemic. We have physically in the back you can give in the bin that you can give online you can also give by text so just want to let you know that there are many opportunities to to give so let's uh, pray for the offering dear heavenly father we are so grateful for how you have blessed us lord as we listen to both jeff and tim give the update financially on where we are with the giving and the generosity that has been bestowed on us lord we are so thankful for the many uh, bounties that you have given us, Lord, and how you have blessed us richly, Lord. And we understand that the the, um, the financial and both the spiritual blessings that you've given us are from you, Lord. Lord, we are we are we understand that everything on earth belongs to you. Everything under the heavens belongs to you, Lord. And so we give that back to you uh, joyfully and cheerfully, Lord. So as we look to give to you, Lord, we we pray that you would stir our hearts to. To, to follow your spirit, and we thank you again for how you've richly blessed us and continue to bless us in 2021. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Thou 
So grateful this morning that you have been with us. For those of you at home, thank you for joining us, that we could all be together as one community. I want to sort of echo what Zach said when we began. If this is your first Sunday tuning in, it's atypical. I think we've been saying that in the last couple weeks. Uh, But you did get a broad brush, kind of quick look at some of our leadership and some of the things that are uh, on our plate that are important to us for the coming year. And we hope that you'll plug in and come back next week. Next week we'll be back, as we shared earlier, in the Gospel of John. And we're excited about that. So if you are new to this community, uh, we'd encourage you to click on the I'm New tab on our website. Or if you're on site today, you could stop by the Welcome Center and we will get you plugged in and connected. I'm just going to pray on our behalf something a little different to conclude this morning, and then we'll be dismissed from there. Will you pray with me? Lord God, this morning we've considered a lot of things. We've talked about a lot of things, Lord, and we place all of our plans before you, Lord Jesus, perhaps with an awareness, a perspective uh, that we've never had before because the things, as Tim said this morning, that we prepared for in 2020 were different than the realities. And so, Lord, we put our plans before you and recognize that a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So we pray that as a church this morning. Lord, would you give us your perspective for the hearts and lives of the lost, of those who don't know you? Would you give us your perspective that you will return and reign and rule? And would you help those things, Lord, to color our response to the world around us, to our relationships. God, we ask your blessing on this church family today, both those here and abroad in their homes and other places, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful week, and we will see you next Sunday.
Good morning, church. Would you stand to your feet? Let's praise him this morning. Come on. Just one word. You calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word. The darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see, my heart can never believe. There's nothing that a God can't do, there's not a mountain that He can't move. Oh, praise the name. It makes a way There's nothing that I God can do Just one word You hear what's broken inside me Just one word You revive every dream Just one touch I feel the power of heaven Just one touch My eyes are open to see My heart can hear but believe There's nothing that our God can't do There's not a mountain that He can move Praise the name that makes a way there's nothing that a God can't do. Oh, I know there's nothing that a God can't do. There's not a prison wall we can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that a God can't do. Oh. How are we doing this morning? Paul says in Philippians, forgetting what lies behind, striving for what's ahead. So we're going to praise our God together. I will believe. And I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. So let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all the peace. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like Jesus, let faith arise, let all agree, there's no power like His power, there's nothing that a God can't do, there's not a mountain that He can move, oh praise the name that makes a way, there's nothing, there's nothing that Jesus can't do, there's nothing that a God can't do. There's not a reason why we can't break through. We praise the 
makes a way There's nothing that our God can do Chapel 2021 is here. We are excited that you are here with us this morning as we worship and continue uh, uh, just uh, into this new year together. Kind of lost my spot there for a second. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. I got two things for us before we continue worshiping together. First off, while many of our activities and our groups are paused during the month of January, Amber Cameron, our women's ministry director, myself, put our heads together and we're rolling out a Wednesday night Zoom Bible study going through the four smallest books of the Bible. And that will also guest star coming out of retirement, Bob Royce. If you remember Bob Royce, he used to lead Bible studies in Sunday school here. And so if you're interested, you can sign up for that on the website. In addition to Wednesday night Bible study, we're going to be doing prayer on Tuesday morning from 7 to 7.30 in the morning. Again, you can sign up for reminders on the front of our website. Just a way to stay connected and plug in and to learn and grow during the month of January together. Secondly, today is Vision Sunday. It's a different kind of Sunday, and if you're new, today is the kind of day where you're going to learn a lot about who we are, the direction we're going, a lot about our leadership. You're going to hear from our elders, and if you're a part of the family, today is all about where we believe God is taking us in 2021. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a packed day, and uh, before we get into all that, let's continue worshiping together. You can stand up, please.
reasons to love you Faithful to the end God, you are always good Where do I begin? There's so many reasons to love you Your promise never breaks Your beauty i 
here at home and here would you bow your heads as I do a little bit of a reading from Psalm 136 and then a prayer give thanks to the Lord for he is good his faithful love endures forever give thanks to the God of gods his faithful love endures forever give thanks to the Lord of Lords his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth amongst the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights his faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day, his faithful love endures forever. And the moon and stars to rule the night, his faithful love endures forever. Father, we're reminded that your faithful love endures forever, and it may not seem that way to many, many people who have struggled physically, spiritually, emotionally, over the course of the last year, we ask that your word and your message 
remind them that your faithful love endures forever. Today, Father, we ask above all that the truth of the gospel replaces the deception of the world in the hearts of people. We bring this because we need to remember our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now, at home and here, if you take a couple of seconds, do a text, give a thumbs up, a little wave, and greet one another in the name of the Lord. Thank you. here. My name is Brandon Barnes. I'm one of the elders at the chapel and also a co-chair of the elder team. And I want to talk with you this morning just about a few things. First, I want to affirm um, that the 10 elders that serve this chapel, um, that their hearts are still very much drawn towards this community of believers and towards each other. I want to talk just about a few insights that we've mined together as an elder team. Um, And then Uh, to provide you just a quick update. So thinking back over the last six to eight months myself personally, I'm certain of one thing, and that is that our dinner table conversations have not only been more frequent, but probably a little more animated, a little more controversial, a little more opinionated. I suspect words like pandemic and quarantine and asymptomatic and social distancing have become words in the house that have been challenging and have brought about various opinions. I also think topics like social justice or systemic or structural racism, racial reconciliation are also words that we're hearing in our culture that have provided many tabletop conversations. Words, ideas, concepts like these have challenged and brought heated discussions at all levels and specifically those have certainly come into the chapel, and into our elder team. For the GBC elder team, we came into this year having just moved through a number of challenges in standing up a a building and driving um, the finances around that and and the planning around that. And certainly all of you were involved in in one way, shape, or form in, in helping us with that. But we had learned so much through that. We had learned about stewardship, and we'd learned about trust and faithfulness. And it was as if God was using the past two to three years to prepare us for something that I think was far more challenging uh, this year. It's not been an easy year for any of us. And I can tell you there were heated discussions, and there were plenty of disagreements. But I'm so happy to be standing in front of you this morning giving you the bold reassurance that these elders deeply love each other. That we've grown in new, in new ways this year. We've grown in new understanding of each other. And we've grown most especially through the power of knowing the gospel is real and works. And at work. The statement, keep the main thing, the main thing was important for the elders this year. 
as Paul did, we really gleaned a lot from this verse. Paul to the church in Corinth, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. Paul says that the gospel is the first importance. Christ's death on the cross provides the full measure of grace and forgiveness we need so that in the same way we can be graceful and forgiving people to each other. Then he says there's the truth of Christ's resurrection, that his resurrected life demonstrates the hope and the power of our faith, that any and all situations, no matter how bad they look, can be redeemed for good purposes. Christ on the cross was that expression of love in the face of evil. And it motivates us and it powers us as a body. These ten men love this body of people. We pray for this body of people. We care deeply how the gospel is applied and how the gospel interprets all those things that we're talking about at the dinner tables. How the gospel interprets and gives purpose and meaning and unifies us. So a few insights that we came across this year from an elder update standpoint we had a wonderful opportunity to spend two days together with our wives just working through what the future might look like, what this past year taught us. We used the results of a survey done across 800 different participants in churches ranging in size of 800 to about 1,500, so roughly our size churches. This is an evangelical Bible-based survey that was done on churches that were experiencing growth. And what we found out through that survey is it basically it gave us a number of different things to kind of ponder in terms of what successful elder boards look like and what they do. And we're going to adopt some of those things in the way that we conduct and do our business as elders. But one of the things that was really fascinating out of that is just 1% of churches that have, there's only, of, of all those that were surveyed, only 1% of churches have been around 60 years or longer. The average we're less than 20 years old. We just celebrated at Groton Bible Chapel 100 years. And so to the glory of God, we're extremely, extremely humbled by that when we look at the span of churches around us. We believe that God has given us a model of plurality at this church and the church leadership that has served this very well. What I mean by that is that you, want, you might find Gary or Zach up here predominantly, but what you won't find is a church led by one person. You'll find a church that's led by a plurality of men who love the Lord. And so to maintain that plurality, uh, the final update I want to give, what's really important about plurality is that it's not just one or two people driving the agendas for the elders, but that we rotate that. So I've, uh, I've happily served as the co-chair for the past three years. I'm transitioning my co-chair responsibilities to Bob Rasmussen. Uh, Bob Rasmussen will be taking over those co-chair uh, responsibilities this year. Bob has been attending the chapel, he and his, his family, for quite a while. He's been uh, part of the elder team for the past three to four years. And I think Bob and Gary together are a really great combination. Gary has sharp vision. Bob has an unbelievably uh, great way of, of thinking through execution and detail and communications. So the two of them are going to be... Uh, a great uh, pairing going forward into this year. So with that, I want to introduce to you your new co-chair, Bob Rasmussen, who's going to come up 
and talk a little bit more about this morning and, and what we have for you. Thank you. Please lower it for the small people. Thank you. Good morning. So just want to do a quick in-house announcement update for everybody before I get into what I am here today. Um, as you all know, Gary Campbell made an announcement in early December on um, the fact that we are going to go to masks 100% of the time while in the sanctuary and around our buildings. Um, we gave that about a four-week run to kind of see where things are based on Thanksgiving and Christmas and the uptick in COVID in our region. So with that said, uh, the elders have decided to make the decision to continue the protocol for wearing masks um, throughout our services for another four-week cadence. Um, I just want to let you guys know that we are meeting bi-weekly and will continuously reassess this with continuous changing world around us in the region. As we know, you know, we hear new things every day on the news and in the media. So we will continuously revisit that. But for now, we're going to continue on with the, a four-week cadence, if you, uh, if you will. One thing I want to bring up with this issue, um, I understand that this is not easy for some to hear that, but I also understand for others it's not enough, right? So we've got kind of two camps, and we all can kind of sit in one camp or maybe in between one of those camps. What I want to say to you today is thank you. Thank you for listening to what I have to say. Thank you for following what the elders have to say. And thank you for being selfless, not selfish, but selfless, and thinking of people around you and just doing kind of what we're all doing here today at Groton Bible Chapel. So I appreciate that, and thank you again. So why am I up here? I'm here to announce a couple staff updates um, for this year. One of the things that we've realized at Groton Bible Chapel, especially with our new sanctuary, is how dependent we are on technology and how our team needs to further investment of resources in this area. So in 2021, with that said, we are going to um, add a full-time position of a technical director. So the technical director will oversee all the audio, visual, and lighting for Groton Bible Chapel, specifically as it pertains to Sunday mornings, but obviously the other days of the week where it's needed. Um, this will also include the management of all the volunteer teams and staff, as well as video and photo content for Sunday mornings, it's the services as well as in the web, on the website. So right now we are accepting resumes and intend to fill this position, Lord willing, by early second quarter. If you're interested in this position or want to get more information on it, please uh, reach into the website and look at the job description on this posting. And if you have more comments, I'm sure Johnny or Gary would be able to answer those as well. So second update. In addition to the tech director, you know that we're seeking a missions pastor to replace Andy Bonner, who will be transitioning out of this role this year. So in full disclosure, this is something that we wanted to get through last year, but due to the obvious COVID, we weren't able to get there. But I think that was a God thing, and um, we're currently in the throes right now of interviewing. Um, I will tell you this, that we will have somebody... Uh, announced by the spring for everyone, so um, thank you for the patience on that one, and we will get to that, um, like I said, by the spring. So just to kind of close on that missions pastor thing, with all the changes and the growth, it's showing great growth at Groton Bible Chapel, and it's showing uh, great growth in the staff, but w one thing that we will be losing is Andy Bonner, and I don't mean losing from the church, but losing from that role. And I want to kind of um, just focus on Andy for a little bit, and I'm sure he would not want me to do this, but that's okay, because I'm here and he's not. So 
Andy's been on staff for over a decade. He's served in highly critical part-time roles at this church. He's had personal relationships within the GBC leadership that dec- uh, dates back decades. Now, if anybody knows Andy, he's got or can touch somebody in any regional church, and he's kind of um, got his fingers in everything, and that's a good thing. He's been steady, dependable, and a godly staffer and an example to the Groton Bible Chapel family. So rest assured, Andy's not going away. Um, he, he will continue for a season of transition to be involved with this new missions pastor um, when we choose them from a distance and as and on the let me start over from a distance but also on an as needed role uh, during the transition supporting the new missions pastor so i want to personally on behalf of the church family take a moment now to recognize both andy and cheryl ann bonner for their service and sacrifice to the church can we say thank you to him and or to them now Thank you. Now I'm going to welcome up Jeff Seidel and Tim Lennis, and they will be discussing our mortgage payoff strategy. Jeff and Tim. Thanks, Bob, and good morning, church. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit today about our vision for uh, projects and also for, for finances for the coming year. Now, as we know that 2020, our vision didn't exactly go the way we wanted to, so we always have to be keep in mind that um, if the Holy Spirit leads us a different direction, that's where we got to go. So uh, as we plan, we, we always put that first. But um, I guess to that point, Tim, would you want to give us kind of an update of what happened in 2020, which was pretty amazing in general for finances? Well, to put in context, I don't have to remind you all, COVID happened. And so we didn't really um, concentrate on paying down the mortgage that we have on this building. Uh, That was sort of all put on hold. We were wondering, are we even going to be able to pay our monthly bills? You know, we were shut down. We saw across the the country that charitable giving was way down. We even qualified for the payroll protection loan, but we decided we wouldn't take it. Instead, um, we would wait for God to provide. And God stirred the hearts of our congregation. And our giving didn't go down in 2020. It went up. We were able to renovate the old sanctuary for a youth room. We were able to help other churches in the area financially so that they could keep their doors open. We were able to give to families in need. And as of the end of this year, our giving is actually up almost 20% over last year. Can you... Yeah. Can you imagine? I've been a member of the corporation for almost 30 years, and we've never had a year where it's gone up almost 20%. So what is the purpose? Why is it that we want to pay down and pay off this mortgage quickly? You know, how does that affect our future plans? And maybe you could share that with us, Jeff. If, uh, if, you, if some of you have been around here for a while, if you remember we did a study with the Goff Group about eight years ago, and they told us that we were really lacking in sanctuary spaces and also in our children's ministry. And we need more seats for both. Uh, we knew we couldn't afford both at the same time, so we kind of broke it into two phases. And the first phase really was, and you can put up the, is this building we're talking about. We got the sanctuary spaces, uh, which was really cool. It worked out. We have the second phase in the future. Of course, um, 
that's coming. And go ahead and throw up the second phase. So that was always the thought. And of course, it's just a white block, but we tie the buildings together. We put in some uh, elevators and, and renovate that to really make the use space great. To get there, we've got to pay down our existing debt first. That's really, we don't go on to go into further debt. So that's the biggest reason what we're looking at um, for, for debt payoff. A couple of projects that we are going to be doing over this coming year is um, we're finalizing some pricing on uh, doing the roof on the S-Swing, the old youth building that's 30 years old now, and we'll try to get a couple more lights in the parking lot because there's still some dark areas in the, on the backside. But the big part is trying to pay down the debt that we have, which is almost $2 million still, even after um, paying off $120,000 and um, moving forward uh, so we can get to phase two to get that, to get that youth room moving. Um, could you give us kind of an update? <laughs> well, currently our mortgage is $16,000 a month on, on that $2 million debt. Um, that's already built into the budget. You know, that's, that's one of our budgetary items. So when the money comes in, we're paying that. Um, but we're not going to go to phase two until a mortgage, the mortgage is paid off completely. And so our plan now is to keep the Renew fund open. And so I, in addition to your regular tithing, if you feel led to give towards the Renew Fund, that money will all go towards paying to making additional payments on the mortgage to pay that mortgage off. Um, the corporation has also decided, we found out at the end of this year, we had a corporation meeting in which we looked at the general fund and we felt we were able to take $120,000 out of that and put it right on the mortgage. And so seeing how God has provided that through this year, the, the corporation decided that each quarter we would look at that general fund again, and if, there's, if we have the ability to do so, money would be taken out of that and applied directly towards the mortgage after paying you know, the regular um, bills and obligations that we have. Our goal, our vision, is to pay off this mortgage in five years. In order to do that, we would need to put an additional $25,000 a month on top of the regular mortgage payment um, and if we do that, then that would be cause the mortgage to be paid off in five years. It's important to know that this building and any buildings that we, that we plan on building are tools. And we are stewards of those tools. God has given us this so that we can reach the community. You know, we want to keep the main thing, the main thing we talked about. It's the gospel. All right? It's bringing people into the kingdom. And we know that that's the work of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit uses us, and he uses this building, and he uses our gifts in order to do that. And what a wonderful privilege it is to be stewards of the gifts that God has given us, gifts that we intend to use to bring glory to him. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we just thank you that you have given us um, this building, Lord. We just pray that it would be dedicated solely to you, Lord, that any of our future building plans would be such that it would be to bring people into the kingdom, Lord, to use that, the, the things that you've given us to share the good news, Lord. We pray that you would be glorified through any of this. Lord, we pray for Gary this morning as he uh, brings a message to the congregation, Lord. We pray that you would uh, give him clarity of speech, Lord, that you would uh, open up our hearts and our understandings, Lord, that you would change our lives through hearing your word. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you because your merciful love endures forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gary?
Sneaking in behind you guys. <laughs> you know, what, what an amazing year it's been, thanks to, to those elders who have shared uh, to this point. My goal for the next few moments is to do a couple of things. Number one, I, I want to share the preaching schedule with you for in a few moments, because that's an important part of who we are, right? What are we teaching through in the scripture uh, this year? And I want to look at God's word for this morning as well. But I want to kind of give you what's going to be our word for 2021. You may remember that over the last several years, we've kind of operated loosely on, on sort of a theme word for the year. So we've used words like generosity, uh, service, community, and most recently, covenant. Our word for 2021, and we probably could have used this in 2020, is perspective. Perspective. Now, Merriam-Webster defines perspective as a mental view or prospect. It's a mindset, a way of approaching or looking at something. Or how about this definition? The capacity to view things in their true relations or relative importance. In their true relations or relative importance. Uh, So, for instance, when I see that social media post pop up that just sends my reactions completely into an emotional space, that I had gained some perspective and I step back before I hit the keyboard. Or when that text message comes through that just infuriates me and yet it's from a friend as we're discussing whatever this issue is, that I gain some perspective and I pick up the phone and say, hey, let's get together face to face. Let's not do this over text message. Perspective. We need perspective. Now, as Christians, as the body of Christ, the scripture teaches that we are to have both a kingdom and eternal perspective. Now, perhaps you say, well, wait a minute, that's that's the same thing. I'll grant you there's a lot of overlap in between the ideas of uh, having a kingdom and eternal perspective. But a kingdom perspective means, really, in the words of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it's already being done in heaven. So kingdom perspective says that as I live and move throughout my life, as we live and respond as a church culture, that we're seeking the will of God that's already happening in heaven, and we're seeking to make that known and happen here on earth. We are agents of God's kingdom. You know, the Lord has entrusted the gospel to his church. One, one uh, scholar I was reading said that the, the greatest apologetic for the proof of Christianity is the love of God amongst his people. It's kind of a scary thought in 2020. And so we need a kingdom perspective. But we also need an eternal perspective. What is an eternal perspective? It's that I recognize and remember that, that in the span of eternity, my life is, is just a bit part. That, that it, this is not my permanent home that we are not citizens here, we are citizens of another place. And that there's an eager anticipation and yearning and longing for the return of Jesus and his reign and rule. And and I'll be honest, I don't think we talk about that enough, both from the platform and amongst each other. But being expectatious for the, for the, the coming reign of Jesus. John MacArthur said this. He said, a person is no true believer at all if he has no real expectation of Christ's return. No eagerness to meet him, to meet Jesus. No love for his appearing. Now you might say this morning, that's a little harsh. But I want you to think about those descriptors. Just think of what this describes. Someone who has no expectation that Jesus is going to come back. No eagerness to to meet Jesus or to know him. And no love for him. That describes a non-believer. And so we as his people need to have both a kingdom and eternal perspective. It's a great reminder for us this morning because as we looked at last week, the glory of God is our hope. What we're yearning for is the hope of glory. 
Last week we were in Psalm 145, where David talks about seeking the glory of God, being our hope in all things. And then Paul, as we looked at in Titus, as we alluded to, which is this morning's text, ultimately says that the glory of God is our hope. He kind of flips it on its head. And so I want to return this morning to Titus chapter 2 and read the same verses we did last week. And we'll just pull a couple of points out from this short text. Paul writes to Titus and he says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godless, godly way in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He, that is Jesus, gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. And he goes on. I love that last line. really gets to the heart of God. That he sends Jesus to redeem us, to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. It is the love of God that, redeem, that drives him to redeem us from our sin through Christ's death on the cross. You know, what Paul gets at here in, in Titus chapter 2 really encapsulates and sort of summarizes everything we've been talking about since the beginning of the fall. When we looked at the We Are GBC series in the fall, we talked about being a worshiping community and a generous community and so on. And then we looked at Ruth and covenant and the coming of Christ and the redemption of the kinsman redeemer, the nearness of Jesus as our redeemer. And then we looked at the series Just Right through Advent, that Christ came in, in just the right way for the right reasons at the right timing. And so forth. Paul sums it up so succinctly here, even summing up our last week, that he, Jesus, is the hope of glory. And with the hope of Christ, we have nothing to fear. Well, what about, what are some just sort of points that we can distill from this text? Number one, what Paul is saying is to embrace grace. Embrace grace. Receive grace into our lives. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation through, to all men through Jesus Christ. If you have yet in your life to receive the grace of God into your life, that can begin today by trusting what he did for you at the cross. But Paul writes here to Christians that we would embrace grace in our lives, lest lest we uh, uh, resort to becoming performance-oriented in our Christian lives. It is the grace of God that brings us to point two that allows us to deny sin. Paul says to deny godliness, godlessness, deny worldly lusts, and live in a different sort of way. But he doesn't say it by, by sort of white-knuckling and, and trying harder and, and, and trying to be stronger. He says it in the context of embracing the transformative power of the grace of God into my life. To live differently. To live with a kingdom, eternal perspective. You know, that's a lot of what we're about Sunday by Sunday is teaching from God's word to apply this idea of receiving the grace of God in my life so that I would deny sin and live differently before the world because I and you, we are God's ambassadors. We are the vehicles of the gospel to the world. And so I want to share a little bit about what we're going to be preaching on to accomplish that this year. Beginning next week, January 10, we will be back in the gospel of John. 
It's been a while. It's been uh, several months since we've been in John's Gospel, since early June. And so we're going to be picking up John's Gospel again in chapter 12. We'll be looking at short series throughout the, the book of John, uh, taking us all the way to the beginning of June, where we'll, we'll finish up John's Gospel. It's going to be a great study. Really excited to look at uh, the triumphal entry next week. So if you want to take an hour of your life this week, uh, commit yourselves to just read through the Gospel of John and kind of get back up to speed. I encourage you to do that. Uh, after John's gospel, interestingly enough, you know, John does not talk uh, about the parables of Jesus. John recounts the discourses of Jesus in great length and detail, but he doesn't cover the parables. And, and this wasn't intentional, but as God would have it, providentially, we're going to spend this summer looking at the parables of Jesus. Uh, really excited for this series and, and hearing Jesus' own teaching. It's been about, I think, seven or eight years since we looked at Jesus' parables. And then in the fall, and I won't spend too much time on this because I know it's a long ways away, but in the fall, beginning in September, really excited that we're going to begin a long-term study in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, Deuteronomy is a fascinating Old Testament book without getting too much into it this morning. Uh, if you're not familiar with the scripture, Deuteronomy is the last book of the Pentateuch. So you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy at face value repeats a lot of the content of the earlier books. But what's fascinating and really uh, just exciting about Deuteronomy is that Deuteronomy presents the law of God. It's Moses' last word. It's his restatement of, of the law to his people. He presents it as a legal treaty between God and his people that's, that's uh, uh, sort of commensurate with the, the, the treaties of the time in which uh, Deuteronomy is written. But he also equally at the same time presents it as a love letter. So you have a legal treaty and a love letter, all, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago in a different context, the legal, loving response of God to his people. So I could get off on a tangent. There's some notes in the bulletin uh, on that, but we're really excited, excited about that this morning as well. So the Gospel of John, Parables, and Deuteronomy, that's where we're headed in 2021. Well, let's come back to Paul and back to, uh, to Titus chapter 2. Paul says, embrace grace, deny sin. And ultimately, he presumes that we are doing all this with an attitude, an eternal perspective of waiting and yearning for the coming of Christ. In fact, if I could quickly hint to the parables, one of the books that we're going to use as a resource is John MacArthur's book entitled Parables. And just pulling some of his insight here, he talks about three parables in Matthew 24 and 25. You can look at those on your own later, but it's the parable of the faithful and wicked servants, the parable of the ten bridesmaids, and the parable of the talents. And Jesus tells these parables, these three, in quick succession, and they all have to do with expectation for his return. And MacArthur, without belaboring, taking too much time this morning, says that these three parables teach us to be watching, waiting, and working for the return of Christ. There's no sitting on our hands, folks. There is much to be done as God's ambassadors. We are to have a kingdom eternal perspective. Well, how do we apply this to 2020 as a congregation? Where does this affect our vision as we go forward? And we've been talking about what we've learned and kind of what we're leaning into. One of the things that we learned this year is that the church likely missed an opportunity. Missed an opportunity. You see, the church has every opportunity uh, to lead the culture. The culture, when it comes to the area of diversity and unity, if we watch our culture today, it's striving, grasping at straws to figure out what it looks like to model unity and diversity. And the church has an amazing opportunity to lead the culture, but we've kind of gotten that backwards in our time. I want to read you a short passage from Revelation chapter 7. 
And this passage is mirrored in some way three other times. So a total of four times in Revelation we see a picture like this of the worshiping people of God. Listen to what John the Apostle says. He says, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that is Jesus, and they were clothed in white robes and palm branches, with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb, that is Jesus Christ. So here in three other places in Revelation is an apocalyptic picture of heaven. And John takes the time in each instance to describe this multitude as from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language. It's, a, it's language that is universal. I don't mean that in a theological sense, but it means that the gospel is available. Jesus died for all people in every culture of all time. And I submit to you this morning that the church, meaning Big C Church, has missed an opportunity to model what unity and diversity looks like. And the culture is lost. Now, occasionally they get something something really redeeming, and and other times it's a complete miss. Well, let me see if I can bring this all to a head under this idea of having a kingdom eternal perspective. I want to show you a picture of my friend Joe Coleman. Uh, Joe Coleman is a pastor in our town. His name is, uh, his church is St. John's Christian Church here in Groton. Some of you probably know Joe. Joe has been around pastoring in Groton since the 1970s. I've known of Joe since I was about eight years old. I've known him personally since 1991. And Joe, I'm I'm proud to say, has gone from being a mentor in my life to a dear friend. And, um, you know, this, the history with Joe Coleman and GBC is fascinating. When GBC, uh, in in the 60s and 70s, as you know, the church is 100 years old, GBC was 99% white. A 99% white church. It It was a church that grew out of a movement in the UK called the Plymouth Brethren Movement which essentially, uh, theologically, ended up meaning that GBC was kind of a holy huddle. Right? It was holy huddle. It was separatist in that manner in terms of, like, Christians only. And at that time, our founding pastor took it upon himself to mentor this 23-year-old black pastor in town who was part of a, at the time, he was part of the Zionist movement. And he took him under his wing. Now, Joe recently came and, and spent some time with our elder team, and, and with great emotion, and, and at times I've seen him weep over this even more, talked about the mentoring and the love that Dave Ward, our founding pastor here, had for him in the hours that they spent together when he was a very young pastor just getting started here in Groton. Years later, he, as, as Bob McCoy became our senior pastor, he and Bob became peers and became friends. I, as I said, I met Uh, Joe, when I was a teenager, that's a longer story. Um, And he's been kind of a mentor through the years. But the event, I want to tell you this one story of our history together. The event that sort of has bonded us through the years was that in the 1970s and early 1980s, Dave Ward invited Joe and his congregation to come here to GBC to participate in a dual baptism, Groton Bible Chapel and St. John's together, because at the time St. John's didn't have a baptistry. And so St. John's Christian Church would come, we would come, I was a little kid, and I had these vivid memories of us worshiping together. Again, GBC was 99% Caucasian at the time. St. John's, which is very multicultural today, was pretty much a black gospel church at the time. And you had these two churches worshiping together, and trust me, it was very different. Very different worship. And I remember, I've shared this with Joe through the years, that my vivid memories... It brought me, I was one of those little kids who really loved the Bible and knew it. It brought me right to Revelation 7. 
It was a picture of heaven. And he's echoed as much to me in, in, his, in as much as through the years we've talked in a reminiscent way and, and talked about doing something to sort of harken back to that history that we have together as churches. Over this past year, we've recognized that we should have been doing something together all along. And so we're having conversations uh, in that regard. You know, you might ask the question this morning, why does the church leading in this way need to be something that's important and part of our vision? Well, three reasons. Number one, the culture doesn't have any clue what they're doing. Again, it's a grasping at straws. Number two, when scripture gives us a picture of heaven, it is a picture of uh, unity and diversity. It is the mosaic of how God has designed and made us as a people. The Church of Jesus Christ is the most diverse organization, or dare I say, organism in the world. And so we have an opportunity to model that. And then thirdly, because this embodies our vision to enfold the lost, to encourage, or to equip the saints, and to encourage the larger body of Christ in our region. So this year we intend to do four things as a church in this area. Number, and the four are teaching, honoring, worshiping, and living. Throughout 2021, we're going to continue teaching God's perspective from Galatians and other places on the beautiful and varied nature of the bride of Christ. Number two, we're going to continue honoring the diversity of God's kingdom that we do have here at Groton Bible Chapel. You may have noticed that in our Advent readings of the last couple of years. And so we've sought to honor diversity in four areas. Number one, marital status. We want to honor our single population, not just those that are married and in nuclear families. Number two, age. We want to honor the oldest of our population and our youngest and everywhere in between. Number three, ethnicity. We want to honor the heritage and the backgrounds, diverse backgrounds of the people of Groton Bible Chapel. And then fourthly, we want to honor life stage or situation, those that are perhaps grandparenting or those who are perhaps in blended families. We want to honor the vast diversity of the redemption of God uh, in the body that he has given us, having a kingdom, eternal perspective. Thirdly, we want to be a, a community that is worshiping within the larger body of Christ. And so Joe and I are part of a new coalition of pastors that are beginning to meet and pray and discuss what does it look like for us to worship Big C Church in front of the watching world. So we may uh, sort of take uh, uh, some events that we've been doing in the past and really focus them on worship or even be doing some new things together. We're excited about, excited about that. Finally, as a church, Groton Bible Chapel, that we would be living with compassion toward those who are different than us, with continued generosity, as you've demonstrated as a congregation so much this year, and perhaps most importantly, with self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice, not that I'm pursuant not of my rights and my needs and my wants or even my preferences, but that of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because this, this is what Jesus has done to, for us. In Philippians chapter 2, we see clearly that Jesus, who has the right of all rights, gives up his rights, his wants, his needs, his preferences for the sake of going to the cross to die for you and me. And so that brings us full circle this morning to where Brandon began us with the gospel being preeminent, being the most important, as Paul says. So we want to take a few moments this morning and focus on the body and the blood of Jesus that unites us, that gives us perspective, eternal perspective, kingdom perspective. 
So I'm going to invite Dave Miwa and Jeff Seidel to come up and lead us in a time of communion at this time. So once, once a month, we do uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper, and it is for all believers. And hopefully you have your cups, or if you haven't have your cups, to grab one real quickly. That's the, the bread and the, and the juice. I'd like to pray for the bread. Father God, you are amazing. And when it, we are so much in need of a Savior. Thank you for the body, your body that was broken. Thank you for the remembering this, this, this symbol of bread to remember that body that was broken on the cross and your resurrection after. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take the bread. Let's pray for the cup. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning in remembrance of the death of your Son, Jesus Christ. At the Last Supper, Jesus said that this cup is the New Testament in his blood. And Lord, we just thank you for that blood. The scripture says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, Lord. And we thank you that, that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Lord, that new covenant in his blood, we just thank you for this new covenant that was established through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, that through that new covenant, we can have a relationship with God. Lord, we just remember the death of Jesus Christ today, and in particular, the blood of Christ, which takes away our sin. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now Tim uh, Coulterman will come up to, um, to pray for the offering. Good morning. <clears throat> Before we pray for the offering, <clears throat> just wanted to remind you that you can give several ways now. You can give physically in the back, um, in the bin. You can give online. You can give through text. Um, and I believe you can even give on the weekly emails that you get from uh, Gary. So um, just want to take this opportunity to pray for uh, the offering. Dear Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful for all that you have done in 2020, Lord. It's been a difficult year, Lord, but through this difficult year, you have blessed us richly, Lord. And through the um, discussion that we had with uh, with Jeff and Tim and just the bountiful uh, provisions that you have that you've bestowed on us this year with the 20% um, increase in giving, Lord. And that's just something that can only be attributed to your loving hand, Lord. And we are so grateful for that, Lord. As we get ready to give here back to you, Lord, we, we give understanding that everything in heaven and earth belongs to you, Lord. Everything um, is, is a gift from you, Lord. And we are just giving back to you, a portion of that. So as we look to 2021, Lord, help us to be generous and help us to give in a way that reflects the vision that you have for your people. We pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's stand together. Let's stand together.
You know, I hope after hearing all of that, that uh, you're excited for this year. And at the same token, that we are sort of leaning in and dependent on the Holy Spirit for this year. And uh, just as we close this morning, uh, could I just lead us in a word of prayer? Let's pray together. Lord God, uh, we've talked about a lot today. We've processed a lot. We've heard a lot. We've considered a lot. Lord, this morning, first and foremost, would you remind us of your great love for us in the gospel? Lord, there are probably some this morning within earshot or who watched today who don't know you as their savior. Lord, getting lost in numbers and visions and preaching series and so on and so forth, would you not let them miss that Jesus loved them enough to die for them? That they would just reach out and receive and embrace the grace of Jesus Christ into their life and begin a new life walking with you, O God. Lord, would you indeed as a people give Groton Bible Chapel kingdom perspective as we walk through our day at work and at school and in our neighborhoods and our conversation and in our social media and our text threads and groups and Snapchat, just all of this stuff of life, God. Would you help us to constantly be thinking, how am I bringing God's will to bear, his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven? Lord, give us an eternal perspective. Lord, help me to have a desire for you and your return and rule and reign more than the things of this life, more than money, more than uh, visions and dreams of a good life or my own comfort. Help us, Lord, to have a kingdom, eternal perspective. Jesus, we love you. We pray in your name. Amen. Hey, I just want to grab Zach's words from when he welcomed us this morning, that if you're new, this is a different kind. It's an atypical kind of Sunday. And so we'd love for you to join us back again next week. If you are new, click the I'm New tab on our website, or if you're in the building, please stop by our Welcome Center. We'd love to get to know you and get you plugged in. Have a wonderful Sunday, and we will see you next week back in the Gospel of John. Take care.